Thank you for listening to the Valley Point Church podcast. We are currently in the series, Fight, Winning the Battles That Matter the Most. We hope it's a blessing to you. All right, welcome to Fight. Are you ready? I'm out of breath. Welcome to Fight. You have to know that with a series named Fight, there's going to be something rocky, right? You had to know that. So welcome to this series. And outside of my absolute love for Rocky, everything Rocky, one of the things we know about him is that he truly is a fighter. He's a fighter. And here's what else we know about him. He's a hero of sorts to many people. Because he refused to give up. He refused to quit on his dreams. You ready for a hero story? Now, heroes are energizing, aren't they? Well, they really just inspire us. They're energizing, but here's what else we know about heroes. They do something else for us. They really help us to understand that there are some battles that are worth fighting. And Heroes, by and large, I know there's some exceptions to this, but for the most part, they fight for what matters. They fight for valuable things. Again, there's always exceptions to that. But the heroes that come to mind when we watch clips like this and when we think about our childhood and the things that we enjoyed watching and those individuals that inspired us, they fight for things that matter. They fight for valuable things. I want to ask you a couple of questions. As we begin this series, what are you fighting? I think it's fair to say in a room this size, we're probably all fighting something. So what are you fighting? And the second question is this. Would you say that you are winning the battles that matter most? So what are you fighting? And are you winning the battles that matter most? These are two questions that we're going to repeatedly come back to throughout this series. So I would encourage you to begin wrestling with those right now and answer those questions. What are you fighting? And again, would you say that you personally are winning the battles that matter most? That's going to be a big part of this series. I really would encourage everybody to make a strong commitment to be at church throughout the month of February. We have four Sundays. So throughout these four weeks, we're going to think about winning these battles that matter. And I would just encourage you to make a strong commitment to being here because each one of these weeks, they kind of build on each other. And what we talk about today, we're going to continue thinking through next week. And then that sets us up for week three. And then when we wrap everything up on the last Sunday of the month, I think all of this will begin to make sense. All right, so please, I want to encourage you, be here with me, and let's learn together how we can fight for valuable things and fight for the stuff that matters. So here's what this looks like. We're going to dive into an Old Testament character. His name is Samson. Some of you have probably heard about Samson, and maybe you know a few of his exploits. He's really just an extraordinary individual in Scripture, and Perhaps you've heard of him. Maybe you haven't. 
If you haven't, we're going to learn together and we're going to walk through the entirety of his life from birth until death. And here's what we're going to discover about this Old Testament character. We're going to discover that he had successes and he had some failures, but then there was also redemption that was a part of his story. Success, failures, redemption, there were highs and then there were lows, there were some ups and there were some downs and there was a lot of stuff in between all of that. That's the life of Samson. Success, failure, redemption, highs and lows, ups and downs, and all of this stuff in between. Does that sound familiar at all? It should, because this is the story of our lives, isn't it? When you really think about it, there is success and failure, and hopefully we experience redemption along life's journey. There's ups and there's downs, there's highs and there's some lows, and there's all of this stuff in between. So we're going to learn together from this amazing Old Testament character. He has so much to say to us. And along the way, we will also come to discover that he really is quite a hero. So here's the overview of the series. Four key areas, four battles that matter the most. We talked about that, and we probably could all name a bunch of different battles. What we're going to discover as we pull some life lessons from Samson, is that he really struggled in four key areas. And I think these are areas where I struggle and you struggle as well. So let's just talk about the map in front of us for the next four weeks. And these are the things that we're going to pull from the life of Samson. These are the battles that matter the most. We're going to talk about selfishness, temptation, anger, and spiritual drift. These are the battles that matter the most. I can tell you're all so excited about these battles. I even think about it for a second. Let's just think. If I, if we, if Valley Point Church had any measure of success when it comes to winning the battle of selfishness and temptation and anger and spiritual drift, if we had any victories in those areas. Come on. Life would just be better. And there would be a measurable sense of joy on the inside of us. And so we're going to walk through these key battles, selfishness, temptation, anger, and spiritual drift. And again, the life of Samson is going to teach us quite a bit. Here's what I know. I'm a selfish person. I think about myself a lot. I'm going to tell you. And I struggle with temptation. And I struggle with anger. I have six kids. So anger is often part of the equation of things that happen in my life. And I struggle with spiritual drift. Even as a pastor, as a spiritual leader, I struggle with these things. And my best guess is you're a lot like me. And so together, we're going to look at this Old Testament character, a real individual who really lived and struggled with selfishness, temptation, anger, and spiritual drift. So, let's have some fun, okay? I want you to begin thinking about some heroes in your life. And to help you in that thought process, I'm going to share with you some of my personal heroes from my childhood. Ready? Let's start with underdog. (laughs) Right? There's no need to fear. Help me finish it. Yes, yes. He was really something, wasn't he? 
loved underdog. How about this hero, the $6 million man? Yeah, and that bionic eye. That was really something. I, I grew up with glasses, so as a kid, I, I've always been wearing glasses. So the thought of a bionic eye, like, wow, that would be incredible to have. I like the $6 million man. How about the Dukes of Hazard? Heroes. <laughs> Bo and Luke. Just the good old boys. Never meaning no harm. Beat all you ever saw. Been in trouble with the law since the day they were born. Like, I guess that doesn't exactly work, but Bo and Luke, they're just good old boys, right? Heroes. And of course, everyone should have on their list Rocky Balboa. He is a hero because, again, he just refused to give up on his dreams. Heroes. We all have them. We have official lists, unofficial lists, but some are goofy. Some we might be serious about, but we all have these lists. Now, it should come as no surprise to you. Let's take a turn for a moment. It should come as absolutely no surprise to you that the Bible, Scripture right here, has something to say to us about heroes. There's actually a whole book describing heroes and their exploits. It's the book of Judges, and I would encourage you to jump into this ancient book that talks about Israel's history and how God would raise up these military champions to help them overcome injustice and the oppression that they were experiencing from other people. The book of Judges. And these judges literally were, in addition to their judging and leading and the different things that they would do, they were absolutely heroes. And one of the individuals that we're going to spend our time talking about is Samson. Now, there are many other heroes within the book of Judges. Again, I'd encourage you to read through that book. It's a lot of fun. And you can discover their stories and some of the things that happened. We're going to zero in on Samson for four weeks because he's one of these judges. Now, before we dive into the life of Samson and describe a little bit of that, let me talk to you about Judges and this time frame, this theocratic rule that God established for his people. Because before we understand a little bit of Samson, it's important to know what's happening during this particular time frame. So here's some thinking points about the book of Judges. Judges shows how Israel had set aside God's law, and in its place, they just did whatever they wanted to do. That's what happened. So God had given his people some guidelines and some rules, and he wanted them to live by them. And what we discover repeatedly, over and over again throughout Israel's history, and we see this in particular in the book of Judges here, is that they kind of just discarded that. Like, we understand this is God's law, and we know this is what he wants, and we even know and understand that there have been times when we lived by this, that life was good. But I don't know. I don't know about this. And let's just kind of put God's law over here and we will do whatever we want. Judges uh, walks us through, the book of Judges, it walks us through this unique cycle in Israel's history of obedience, disobedience, and then pressure. God would initiate pressure to cause his people to turn back to him. Again, we see this over and over again in the book of Judges and throughout Israel's history. So Judges, again, it shows us how Israel had God's law. They knew what they were supposed to do. 
but they often just said, you know what, we're going to put that over there and we're just going to do whatever we want. Second thinking point. Judges shares how God would raise up military champions to restore the nation to pure worship. So again, think about the cycles. We have obedience, disobedience, and then this pressure for God's people to change. And God would often bring in another nation to put pressure on his people to oppress them a little bit. And in the process of this pressure, God would raise up a hero, a champion of sorts, to help his people overcome and not feel like they're under so much pressure. Samson is one of those heroes. If you have a Bible, I want you to find Judges chapter 2. This is where we're going to begin today. Judges is the seventh book in the Old Testament. So there's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, and then Judges. So if you get to Joshua, keep turning to the right a little bit, and eventually you'll bump into this great historical book. Chapter 2, here's verse 16. I've described a bit of this already, but I just want you to see this. Here's what it says. Then the Lord raised up judges to rescue the Israelites from their attackers. Yet Israel did not listen to the judges, but prostituted themselves by worshiping other gods. You know, sometimes scripture is just shockingly clear, right? Like, here's what the people were doing. They were prostituting themselves, worshiping other gods, not being loyal and faithful to me, the one true God how quickly they turned away from the path of their ancestors who had walked in obedience to the Lord's commands. Whenever the Lord raised up a judge over Israel, he was with that judge and rescued the people from their enemies throughout the judge's lifetime. For the Lord took pity on his people. And isn't this what we love about God? That he actually sees and he is aware And here we find this happening. He takes pity on his people who are burdened by oppression and suffering. But when the judge died, the people returned to their corrupt ways, behaving worse than those who had lived before them. They went after other gods, serving and worshiping them, and they refused to give up their evil practices and stubborn ways. This cycle of obedience, disobedience, pressure, judge being raised up, is repeated over and over and over again throughout the book of Judges. So Samson, he's one of these judges, and he's absolutely fascinating, and he helps us to understand how to win the battles that matter the most. All right, I want you to keep thinking about that, fighting for what matters, winning battles that matter the most, This is what we pull from the life of Samson. Okay, big idea. Get your pen ready. Write this down or fill in the blank. Here it is. Now is the time, or today, now is the time to fight for winning the battle of selfishness. Again, we're going to get to the other areas in weeks to come. Temptation, anger, and spiritual drift. Today, it's all about selfishness. So now is the time for winning the battle of selfishness. Here's the question, how? How do you do that? It's kind of easy to say we need to overcome that and be selfless people. 
And I think most of us are going to agree with that. But how do you actually implement winning the battle of selfishness? Well, this brings us to the life of Samson. Here's what you need to know about Samson. He was incredibly strong. He had physical strength. He's a tough guy, a warrior, a meat locker type of guy. He's just a real bruiser. And he was touched with physical strength, the likes of which had never really been seen. So this is one of the ways that Samson was touched by God. But what we will discover as we dive into his life is here's what Samson would do. He's this great big strong guy. He's a judge. He's a leader. People are excited about him. You're here to deliver us from our enemies and we're being oppressed and there's all this injustice and here you are. You're our hero. Great big strong guy, right? Boxing gloves, robe, whatever. That's Samson. But here's what he would do. He would often take his eyes off of God. And instead of honoring and pleasing God, he would begin to do what the people around him were doing. He would get distracted with stuff and eyes off of God. And whenever that happened to Samson, as we'll discover, he became a very selfish person. Eyes off of God on stuff down here leads to selfishness. Does that sound familiar too? Yeah, we do this stuff all of the time. It just happens. So if you will turn to Judges chapter 13, I want to introduce you to Samson and let's think about how we can overcome selfishness. So here we go. Judges chapter 13, verse 1. Here's the cycle again. Again, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. Oh boy. Here we go. So the Lord handed them over to the Philistines who oppressed them for 40 years. It's a long time, 40 years of oppression and injustice. That's awful. doesn't sound good. The Philistines were haters of God. They hated God's people and often tried to take their land and everything that belonged to them. And that's what's happening here for 40 years. Verse 2. In those days, a man named Manoah from the tribe of Dan lived in the town of Zorah. His wife was unable to become pregnant and they had no children. The angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah's wife and said, even though you have been unable to have children, here's what's going to happen. And this is exciting. You will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. So be careful. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink, nor eat any forbidden food. All right, those are the instructions given to her. No forbidden food for you. No cotton candy martinis. Right? You got you to gotta drop all of that. Verse 5, you will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and his hair must never be cut, for he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. Do you see that phrase there? You'll be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. Do you see that? Shake your head a little bit. I want you to hang on to that because that's kind of significant, and I'll explain that in just a moment. So no drinking, no No cutting his hair, no eating forbidden food. He's going to be separated as a Nazarite. And here's the deal. He will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. Yay! The hero is coming, right? And he's 40 years of being oppressed. 
It's really wearing on the Israelites, and along comes an angel who appears to a woman who is not able to have a child and says to her, you're going to have a baby, and he is going to rescue God's people. He's going to be one of these heroes, one of these military champions. Yay, it's all coming into view now. Now, I want to go back to that dedicated to God as a Nazarite. You see that in verse 5? What's a Nazarite? Well, the Bible in Numbers chapter 6 describes Nazarites as a unique group of people who would make some vows before God and set themselves apart as God's unique special servants. That's what they would do. What we discover here is that the angel appears to Samson's mom and tells her that from birth, I want him set apart. He's going to make these vows. So what are some of the vows that a Nazarite had to make? Well, there's probably three vows in particular. One of them is don't get drunk. And beyond that, they were not supposed to touch alcohol at all. And that's just what God wanted for them. That was a Nazarite. You weren't going to get drunk you weren't going to partake of any alcohol. Secondly, they couldn't touch anything dead. Dead bodies were generally considered unclean for all of Israel, but in particular for the Nazarites, there was to be no touching of a dead body at all. Don't do that. And then the third thing that made the Nazarites somewhat unique is that they were never supposed to cut their hair. Never. So their hair would grow very long. And if you, back in the day in ancient Israel, came across a person with really long hair, particularly a guy, you may come to the conclusion that perhaps they are a Nazarite, that they have taken taken this vow or these vows together. I'm not going to drink, I'm not going to touch dead stuff, and I'm not going to cut my hair. I'm setting myself apart for something special for God to use my life. Okay, that's our guy. Still with me? That's Samson. That's the life that he's going to live. Now I want you to look at verse 24. When her son was born, she named him Samson. And the Lord blessed him as he grew up. And the spirit of the Lord, this is really unique here. The spirit of the Lord began to stir him. All right, so we're moving quickly. She's not able to have a child. The angel comes to her and says, you're going to have a baby and he's going to be a Nazarite from birth. And so he is born. She names him Samson. He begins to grow and the spirit of the Lord stirs him. Do you see that word stir there? It means to be troubled or to be disturbed or to be mentally distracted on the inside because of something you see or observe. So here's Samson. He's growing up. He's maturing. He's touched by God. He's set apart. He's made all of these vows. He's a really unique individual. And there's this stirring inside of him. There is this disturbance. He's not at peace. He's distracted on the inside because of what he sees. Well, what does he see? Oppression. Injustice. Certainly, he's very aware of what's happening around him and how the great enemy of God is really attacking and not letting his people live in peace. Samson is aware of everything that is happening. He's observing this, and it causes a disturbance within him. 
you get the sense that Samson's probably ready to take his place, to lead, to judge. He's made these vows. God has touched him with incredible physical strength. He's now disturbed on the inside because of what he sees, and this is wrong. You would think he would begin to judge, and yet right away, if you turn the chapter or turn the page to chapter 14, what you discover is here's what happens to Samson. One day, keep in mind, he's matured, he's grown. One day when Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. When he returned home, he told his father and mother, a young Philistine woman is smoking hot. She has it. And she caught my eye And I want to marry her. And what seems like an innocent interest is really something that is not a great idea at all. As a matter of fact, as Samson shares this with his mom and dad, hey, I want to marry her. Like, Samson, she's a hater of God. And her people have been oppressing our people for a long time. You have been raised up to deliver us from these people. This is not a great idea at all. This is going to cause a lot of hardship. And this is going to be a really big problem. And we beg of you not to do this. And what Samson did, his eyes off of God, he gets distracted on all of the stuff around him, including this girl. He throws wisdom to the curb. He ignores it. Selfishness sets in, and it starts him on a path of incredible destruction. And we're going to see that lived out in the days to come as we continue our series. And it's very sad. It's very sad. All right, we're going to pause there on the life of Samson. We're just going to stop right there and we'll pick up and think about him more next week. Because I want us to consider what does all of this mean for us today? What does this mean? And so let me give you some takeaways. Number one, Samson had a God-given calling. So do we. So do we. Samson, specifically called out by God to do something. And we have a specific calling. So here's the takeaway. Know your God-given calling. Know it and live it. And I'm going to give you something specific to chew on in just a moment. But it's so incredibly valuable for all of us as followers of Jesus, if we've embraced the leadership and the forgiveness that God offers, that we know our calling and we live it. Now, if you're here and you haven't trusted in Jesus alone to rescue you, I'm so glad that you're here. Valley Point is a safe place for you to investigate and kick the tires and to figure out what God is doing in you and for you. This isn't necessarily for you quite yet. I hope someday you do respond and you trust and then you'll be able to live out this calling. I would say to you, if that's how you feel, that even if you do these things that I'll describe in just a moment, I believe your life will be better. But for those who have trusted in Jesus, we have a very specific calling and I'm going to share that with you in just a moment. So we're not Nazarites. (laughs) Thank goodness, right? They had to take some pretty intense vows. No drinking, don't touch dead things, and don't ever cut your hair. So my guess is all of us have violated one of these particular vows at some point in our lives. So we're not being called upon to be Nazarites. That's not what God wants for us. But 
As we move through the story of Samson, one of the things we'll discover is that he dropped his calling. Kind of forgot about who he was and what he was supposed to be doing. And when that happened, he became selfish. And I believe some of us maybe are on the same path right now. And maybe we're not aware of that because it doesn't seem like a big deal, some of the choices that we're making. But in reality, if we evaluated our lives right now, we might say, you know what, I think I've taken my eyes off of God and what he wants for me, and I've become distracted with all of the stuff down here. And I just want you to know today is kind of a wake-up call for all of us. Just time to ring the bell a little bit to say, let's get eyes up on God, because if we don't, we will put ourselves on a path that is really dangerous, and it will take us far from God, as we'll discover. So question. Have you thought about your God-given calling recently? Have you thought about that? And could you name it? Now, I will say, I think God gives specific things to individuals for them to do that are unique to them. But when you walk through Scripture, there are some things given to everyone who has named the name of Christ. And so if you're wondering, what, what is my calling? What am I supposed to be doing? I'm going to share that with you now, and this is for all of us. And we can walk out of here living this out right now, and I believe it will make a significant difference. All right? You want to know what your calling is as a follower of Jesus? Yes, we want to know. Okay. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to share it with you. Again, if you've trusted in Jesus, this is true for, all, for you, for all of us. If you haven't, you're still figuring this out. Maybe not quite yet, but I'd encourage you to live this way. It's a great way to live. So here's our calling. Ready? What am I supposed to be doing? Ephesians 4.1. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your, say it with me, calling. Here it is. It's obvious. For you have been, say it with me, called which means you've been summoned. That's what the word means. You've been given a task. It also has the idea that you've been invited into something, which is really quite exciting. Man, I've trusted in Jesus to rescue me, and now God is saying, you know, come over here. Walk with me. Do this. I'm going to give you these kinds of tasks. I'm going to summon you. I'm going to invite you to this type of life. It goes on to say, And here it is. Here's our calling. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Whether we're good at this or not, this is our calling. This is what all of us should be doing. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Don't overthink this, okay? Our calling. Always be humble and gentle and patient with each other. And here's how that is lived out. Here's how you can tell if you're doing that. Are you making allowance for the faults of others? I have faults. You have faults. Do you find yourself making allowance for those faults or not? Our calling is very clear. Always be humble and gentle and patient. Make allowance for the faults of others. If there's anything 
that our communities need right now. If there's anything that our nation needs right now. If there is anything that the world could benefit from right now, it's a group of followers, a group of people who have given their lives to Jesus, who are saying, I'm going to live out this calling. I'm going to do it. I'm going to always be humble and gentle and patient, and I'm going to make allowance for the faults of others. This would make a significant difference. And so if you want to avoid the life of Samson, if you, if we want to avoid being selfish people, we have to know our calling. And maybe you don't know specifically some things underneath that, but look, here's the deal. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with one another. Make allowance for the faults of other people. We get that. We understand that. And we've got to walk out of here in just a bit and do that. That's our calling. And if we don't do that, we're going to be selfish. And we'll start on a path of destruction. Back to the big idea. Now is the time to fight for winning the battle of selfishness. This is the theme Samson had everything in front of him, big, strong guy, touched by God, but yet he took his eyes off of his creator and became distracted. He got selfish. So now's the time to fight for winning the battle of selfishness. Again, the question is how? Know your calling. Here's the second takeaway. Make allowance for each other's faults. Give space for my faults. And I need to give space to your faults. And we need to be doing this for each other, where we live, where we work, and where we play. Difficult? Oh, absolutely it's difficult. But yet it's clear, if we want to avoid the pathway to destruction, like what Samson experienced, know your calling. And we live out that calling by making allowance for the faults of others. This keeps us selfless. And it helps us to win that battle that matters. Father, we're thankful for some time today just to jump into a very unique character in the Old Testament. Samson's an interesting guy. He had so much going for him. Big, strong touched by you, but yet he took his eyes off of what you wanted and became distracted. It seemed innocent. It didn't seem like a big deal, but it was. And it really took him down a dark path. And we're going to discover this in the weeks to come. God, I pray that you'd help each and every one of us here today. God, start with me. Help us not to be selfish. It's so easy to let that happen and to excuse it perhaps to not even see it. So I pray that today would be a wake-up call of sorts where we just recognize, I have to stay off of this path of destruction. And one of the ways that I can do that and honor God is to keep my eyes on Him, to know my calling as a follower of Jesus, to always be kind and gentle and patient, And then living out this, making allowance for the faults of others. God, I pray that you would give us all tremendous victory this week in this important battle of selfishness. 
God, we pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com and click online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Please reach out to us at prayer at valleypointchurch.com.